Hello. Welcome to a special Wednesday evening podcast that I am calling the Tony Ferguson Timeline. I'm your host, E. Spencer Kite, as always. Um, before I get started, I'm, I'm going to do the caveats just so that they are stated and nobody wants to do the thing that people tend to do when it comes to me from time to time. For the last decade, I have been a freelance contributor to the UFC website. Um, I get a paycheck every month that goes right into my bank account from Zufa LLC for writing features and series like Fight by Fight Preview and Fighters on the Rise and things like that. Um, it does not impact the way that I think about this sport. It does not impact the things I say about this sport. This is not a, a podcast that is going to be pro-Zufa or pro-UFC. This, this is not my intent. Um, because I think there are absolutely valid elements to what Tony Ferguson has said this week, today, at his media. And some of the general concerns, complaints, gripes, frustrations people have with the UFC and, and the UFC's business practices and things like that. I think all fighters should be paid more money, Tony Ferguson included. I think it is crazy that the man won 12 consecutive fights and somehow never managed to fight for the undisputed lightweight title. Do I think it is a, a colossal tragedy and absolute ridiculous and, and solely to be laid at the feet of the UFC? I do not. And that's why I'm here. So to me, when stuff like this comes up, when things like Tony Ferguson talking about this stuff comes up and people jump in and say, yes, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's utterly contemptible that the UFC could have this guy on a 12-fight winning streak and never give him the opportunity to fight for the undisputed title. The little hairs on the back of my neck automatically stand up because that's that's just not the full context of things. And I think presenting arguments where you're not presenting the full context and you're only presenting the things that support your side of the argument is at worst disingenuous, might be dishonest. It also feels a little lazy, a little shady, a little shitty to me, truthfully, if I'm just speaking freely as I do on this podcast. And so when I saw it this afternoon and saw everybody kind of talking about the things Tony had said, and again, I, I don't necessarily disagree with any of the things Tony said, but what I do want to do and why I'm sitting here tonight is go through the timeline of Tony Ferguson winning 12 consecutive fights. And, and we don't have to start at the very beginning because for the first four or five fights, you're not making a case for him getting a title shot there because the wins aren't over necessarily the names that you need to beat in order to get to a lightweight title shot. And again, we are talking about the lightweight division, sort of looking at the period. So I'm going to start with July 15th, 2015, which was his sixth consecutive victory, came against Josh Thompson. And so if you want to start making the case and you want to start drawing out the how does Tony Ferguson go 12 fights without getting a lightweight championship opportunity, 
this feels to me like the good starting point because six consecutive victories in this division and a win over a guy like Josh Thompson. Now we're starting to talk about something, right? Now now we're talking about a guy that was strike force champion, that was on a nice little run in the UFC at the time, um, that has accomplished some stuff. And, and six straight victories at lightweight is an accomplishment. As it is, I mean, six straight victories in any division is an accomplishment. We'll get to that piece in a minute. And so looking at the division, Rafael Dos Anjos had won the title in March of that year, March 14th, 2015, to be exact. Got a championship opportunity while on a three-fight winning streak, but was 8-1 over his last nine. The one loss, people will remember, was to Habib Nurmagomedov, who in that period established himself as the number one contender, but also was running into some of those troubles, staying healthy, some of those injury issues that kept him on the sidelines for a period of time. So Dos Anjos ascends to the top of the division by defeating Anthony Pettis in March. In July, Tony comes along, wins his sixth straight fight, sixth straight fight to put himself very much in contention. His seventh fight comes on December 11th of, of 2015. Seventh consecutive victory, I should say, excuse me. Comes on that date against Edson Barbosa. I was at the fight. Terrific fight. Bloody fight. Memorable fight. Um, Darce choke finish. There was a bad up kick. There was a clash of heads. Barbosa bleeding. Terrific victory. Dos Anjos defended the belt a week later on Fox against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And now if you want to make the argument that it should have been Ferguson, maybe. But Cowboy went into that fight on an eight-fight winning streak. And the only guy that he, the last guy that he had lost to was Rafael Dos Anjos. So it's set up well. It's, it's a case of, hey, even if we just want to go numbers, even if we just want to go straight wins, Cowboy's got one more win. He goes first. If you want to add in the other things of, you know, popularity and name brand and things like that for Fox, there you go. So that's what happens there. That's how we close out 2015. 2016, Tony's supposed to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov in April of that year, but he has to withdraw from the fight with a lung issue. Khabib goes on to return against Daryl Horcher and get a victory. A few months after that, Rafael Dos Anjos loses the title to Eddie Alvarez during International Fight Week. It's July 7th, 2016. This is 2016 we're talking about. A week after that, Tony Ferguson fights Lando Venata. And in Venata's debut in the UFC, he was replacing Michael Chiesa. So the way it lined up is Ferguson and Khabib is booked. Ferguson has to withdraw from that. Dos Anjos and, and Eddie Alvarez gets booked. Because that's the, the fight to make for the title. And then Ferguson's ready to return. So they try to get him a fight against another contender. A guy in Michael Chiesa that's still on the upswing there. Chiesa gets injured. Has to withdraw. Lando comes in. Tony gets the win. That's win number eight. So Eddie Alvarez wins the title July 7th, 2016. His next title defense comes November, November 12th, 2016. The Madison Square Garden fight at UFC 205, excuse me, against Conor McGregor. Tony won his ninth consecutive fight a week before that, beating former champion Rafael Dos Anjos in Mexico City. Again, if you want to look at the situation and you want to say, well, that's a spot where Tony Ferguson should have been fighting for the title. 
I'm not going to disagree with you. From a strict merit standpoint, from a strict number of wins standpoint, he's won eight straight fights going into kind of the second part of the summer of 2016 and into the fall of 2016 and the winter of 2016. And you can absolutely make the case that this should be when Tony Ferguson fights for the title. But you're not putting Tony Ferguson in a lightweight title fight ahead of Conor McGregor. When the plan at the start of 2016 was for Conor, who is then still the the featherweight champion, to fight RDA, that fight falls apart. We get the Nathan Diaz saga. And then Conor comes back. Makes sense. Madison Square Garden debut. Champ, champ. It's not happening. And so Tony fights RDA. He gets win number nine. And now we're sitting here with Conor on top of the division. Tony and Khabib as sort of the clear number one and number two contender or 1A and 1B. And we go into 2017. 2017, Tony Ferguson gets booked with Khabib Nurmagomedov again. The fight falls apart because Khabib has to pull out. It's going to be for an interim title because Conor is doing Conor things, right? He's, he's won the two titles and now this is where he fucks off to go and fight Floyd Mayweather and, and hold two belts hostage. Tony gets booked against Khabib. Khabib isn't able to fight. That falls apart. And so Tony ends up fighting Kevin Lee in October of 2017 for the interim title. Registers a victory. Third round submission win. Picks up the interim title. So now he is the number one. Can He, he is the top dog in the division. He is the number one active fighter in the division because Connor is inactive. He's not around. And... The decision gets made after this fight that Connor's going to get stripped. It's going to be, you know, we're going to unify the belts or we're going to we're going to sort out the belts, right? We move into 2018. We're going to sort out the belts. And this is where we get to UFC 223 in in April of 2018. It's going to happen. Tony trips on the cable, can't fight. That all falls apart. Khabib fights ends up fighting Ally Quinta, wins wins and becomes the undisputed champion. Tony's interim championship just disappears, right? Total bullshit that his, to- that his title just disappears, that it's just stripped of him. This has happened to many fighters in the UFC. It is not a Tony Ferguson-specific or exclusive thing. It happened to Colby Covington not that long ago. Doesn't make it any good or bad or anything otherwise about Tony Ferguson, but that's just that's just where we're at, right? They're ready to fight in April of 2018. Ferguson tears ligaments in his in his knee while he's doing some pre-fight media. The fight gets scrapped again, and and we end up with Khabib fighting Ally Aquinta. Khabib gets the belt, and Khabib's at the top of the division. Which then is just sort of how we progress, right? Khabib's got the belt. He ends up fighting Connor. Tony's on Tony's there as well in October. UFC 229, he fights Anthony Pettis, gets win number 11 in a row, gets win number 12 in a row against Donald Cowboy Cerrone the following summer. Khabib still has the belt. He's defending the belt. He's fought Conor McGregor at this point. He fights Dustin Poirier. He's lined up to fight Justin Gaethje. Like, all these things, all, right? It all just comes together. And this is, he ends up fighting Justin Gaethje, I should say, not he lines up to fight Justin Gaethje because Tony eventually gets there as well. But it, it to me is one of those situations where, as you can see 
in walking through this, as you can hear in walking through this. There's, there's a couple spots where the UFC absolutely could have put Tony Ferguson into a fight for the undisputed lightweight title. There's, there's absolutely spots. Nobody can argue against that. There are a few different spots along this way. One of them would have been at the expense of Conor McGregor or over Conor McGregor. And that just wasn't happening in 2016. And it probably truthfully wouldn't happen today, despite the fact that both of them are on losing streaks. That is the power. That is the magnetism. That is the gravity of Conor McGregor. It creates situations that are unfair and that are based on marketing and money over merit. And it happens a lot. You could say stripping him of the interim title because he gets injured and can't fight Khabib in that long-awaited match that just is absolutely not going to have, never going to happen. It never materialized. It was just absolutely poisoned. It was, it was jinxed. Sure, again, not great, not a good look, but not a thing that is exclusive to Tony Ferguson. And so I think the thing that I, I want to kind of get across here, at least in terms of the timeline itself, and, and we'll get into some other stuff here shortly, but at least in terms of the timeline itself, is that a lot of these decisions, a lot of what was happening in the division kind of parallel to where Tony was at the time in this quest to get an opportunity to fight for the title and in this winning streak that is absolutely one of the best winning streaks in UFC history. And maybe the best winning streak in UFC history to never result in a championship opportunity is that the things that were happening and the championship fights that transpired all made sense. They all lined up. There's not really a spot. Again, if you go to to, to 2016 and you want to say, okay, why doesn't RDA wait till Tony's healthy again after the the withdrawal in, in April? And the lung issue because he ends up fighting a week after. Sure, you can make a case there. But Eddie Alvarez also was able to make a case and do enough to merit consideration to fight for the title. That was a fight that made sense. It wasn't one of those situations where everybody said, why the hell is Eddie Alvarez getting rushed in there? It made sense on the timeline of things and in the trajectory of how these things get booked, right? Like it's it's one thing to go back and look and say, well, he fought a week later. But at the time that these fights are booked and announced and planned, it's not known that Tony Ferguson is going to come back a week later and get booked to fight a week later. Same goes for later on when, again, as I said, with, with Eddie losing the belt to Connor in, in Madison Square Garden. Tony fights the week, week before, but he's not getting that shot ahead of Connor, who was supposed to fight for the title at the start of the year before Dos Anjos got hurt when he ended up fighting Nathan Diaz for the first time. Then you get to the situation and the saga with, with Khabib. And once Khabib's on top, there's just the fight with Connor makes more sense. The fight, again, it, it's. I know I'm kind of stuttering and stammering a little bit here, but it's Connor McGregor. And so for people to just say, like, this is, this is BS and it shouldn't be this way, and Tony got screwed. I don't necessarily disagree, but I think it's disingenuous to try to pretend that Tony Ferguson was going to get some opportunity ahead of Conor McGregor. Like, go back and remember. Think back to how big a star Conor McGregor was at that time. Go back and run through 
What a colossal name Conor McGregor was at that time. And Tony fought on that card. He was right there. He wins again. As I said, he beats Showtime. He solidifies his standing kind of as the number one contender. And it just didn't come together. Khabib ends up being out for just about a year after everything that went on at that fight and the various kind of machinations of things that happened with the craziness in terms of the the post-fight brawl with Conor McGregor. So he's on the sideline and Tony doesn't want to sit for a full year and wait to, to end up fighting this guy. So he fights again and he gets back and he fights, you know, a, a few months before Khabib returns against Dustin Poirier. It, it just, it, it's bad luck. It's bad timing. It's a, it's a confluence of things, including the UFC making some choices that are business choices that they make all the time. And to me, that's another part of this, right? To sit and say that this is malpractice, that this is malicious, that this is to act as if Tony Ferguson is the only person that has not gotten a championship opportunity that was merited is just straight out, full out, incorrect, untrue, and we all know it. Arguing otherwise is, is arguing bullshit. Right, it's, it's just telling lies. It's just saying things to back your point because Tony Ferguson isn't the only guy that has had a lengthy, lengthy winning streak and been told to wait for whatever reasons or things just never kept lining up or an injury happened and he had to go back and win a couple more fights or whatever the case may be, right? Tony Ferguson is not the first. He is not the last. This has happened and will continue to happen. And so to make this as a singular Tony Ferguson thing and a singular thing where the UFC has done wrong by this guy is just incorrect. It's just false. And to not present that to me when arguing the case for Tony or arguing about this being such a terrible thing that happened to this guy feels like you're leaving out important facts just to make your case or stump for your guy, whatever the case may be. And listen, if this is fans that are just saying, I can't believe my guy never got a shot, cool. Media people, you jump in there. To me, you have an obligation. I don't give a shit if it's Twitter or Instagram or on your platform. To me, you have an obligation to give the full context, to give all the information so that it's not just presented as the UFC fucked this dude. The UFC left this guy high and dry and made him keep clearing hurdles and keep clearing hurdles as if Tony Ferguson didn't have any role in this, as if Tony Ferguson's health didn't play a role in this, as if pure bad luck, karmic jinxes against the fight with Khabib Nurmagomedov didn't play a role in this, as if the star power and magnetism of Conor McGregor didn't play a role in this. I don't remember any of those people that are mad right now that Tony Ferguson went this long without getting a championship shot, complaining about Connor getting that opportunity when he came back and fought Khabib Nurmagomedov. And maybe they did. But it wasn't like this, right? It, it wasn't this way. It wasn't presented as, it, it was always presented as, he doesn't deserve it, but I get it. Well, if you got it then, then you should get it now. Because you should remember that that's what happened to Tony Ferguson. That that's how this all played out. 
This isn't just here I was winning fights and I, I want to fight every four to six months for three, four, five years, piled up 12 straight victories, always ready to go, and I just never got my shot. That's not what happened. And if you are a media member, it to me is your responsibility to present all of that information. Now listen, I understand that full context is boring to a lot of people. I understand that it's not as catchy as saying this is bullshit. I understand that it doesn't generate as many clicks to say, here's the full you know, timeline of Tony Ferguson's 12 fight winning streak and why he never ended up fighting for the title. But it's the right thing to me. It's the correct presentation of all of this information because we have all of this information. We know how this all played out. It took me half an hour, 45 minutes this afternoon to lay all of this stuff out in a notebook so that I can sit here and do this. And so if you're, if you're doing it as a fan, I get it. If you're doing it as a media person and it's just strictly Tony got screwed after the UFC, you're missing something. There's, there's, there's pieces you're missing and you're willfully leaving out. There's information and parts of this story that you are actively leaving out of your commentary, of your thoughts, of your viewpoint on this. And to me, that's tough. That, that's a hard one for me to swallow. And it's different if it's opinion. It's, it's different if you're saying, you know, I think it's crap that this happened and you're, and you're at least acknowledging all the other pieces of it, but you don't see people acknowledging the other pieces of it. It's just that it's crap and Tony got screwed. But that's not what all these that those aren't the only pieces here. The other piece of this to me, and this is a real tough one, and this is a real sticking point for me, and I know that this is me asking a lot. But I would like every person that is upset that Tony Ferguson never got a shot over the course of his 12-fight winning streak, that thinks the UFC is terrible for never getting this man an opportunity to fight for the undisputed lightweight title. To maintain that position and stump as hard and be as passionate and be as vitriolic about Magomed Ankalaev having won eight straight at light heavyweight and not getting a title shot yet. About Leon Edwards being undefeated in 10 consecutive welterweight fights and having to sit and watch, well, not just Jorge Masvidal, but also Colby Covington get second shots at the welterweight title. And he gets told, fight Hamzat Chemaev. Now fight Bilal Muhammad on short notice. Now fight Nathan fucking Diaz. I want those people to stump for Arnold Allen to get the next featherweight title shot because he's won nine consecutive fights in the UFC. He's 9-0 in the UFC and coming off a first round knockout win over Dan Hooker instead of stumping for Max Holloway to get his third fight with Alexander Volkanovsky. And I don't care whether you think he won the second fight or won both fights. I want to hear the energy for the new guy, for the guy that's put the streak together, for the guy that has done enough to earn that, to deserve that, to merit that, to get his shot instead of 
the guy that's already had some cracks, that already had the belt, that lost the belt, that then lost the rematch. I want to hear those people and see those people out there advocating for Islam Mahashev, who has won 10 straight fights in the lightweight division and continues to be faced with another hurdle being put in front of him. And look, there have been fight changes. There have been short notice replacements for Mahashev. And so if you want to say he's still got to win one more, fine. When it gets to 11, argue for him. When it gets to 12, if it gets there, argue for him. Don't make the case why it should go to someone else. Don't make the case that he still needs to prove more. He got to that number. Argue for him. Because if that's what it is, if this, if this is strictly about Tony got screwed, then what about these other guys that are on comparable streaks? And they're not as long as Tony's. Not yet, at least. But they shouldn't have to be. And that's the piece of this that I think that's part of, of it's a big part, actually of why it bothers me when these arguments come out is that I'm first in line to say fighters shouldn't have to win seven, eight, 12 fights in a row before they get a championship opportunity, no matter kind of what happens. Like tracing that Tony Ferguson timeline, it's it's crazy how many things just had to conspire against him. And how many different pieces of the universe kind of twisted against him in order to keep him from that fight. And I don't think that should be a fate that befalls anybody else. If you win seven, eight, nine fights consecutively in the UFC in any of these divisions, you have proven to me that you deserve those opportunities, especially if you're working your way up as those athletes I already mentioned. Ankalaev, Leon Edwards, Arnold Allen, Islam Mahashev, Charles Oliveira, as he was working his way to the title, got to eight wins. And people were like, but does he really deserve a title shot? Sure, he absolutely does. When you win eight straight fights and all of them are finishes, you deserve a goddamn title shot. And so if we're going to argue that for Tony, we need to argue that for everybody. It can't be I want it for this guy that I like, but don't like it for that guy because he's not popular enough or she hasn't done quite enough to satisfy me yet. Have the consistency, present all the information, lay it all out there. And if your opinion is something, fine, cool, state it, but state it with all the information there so people can read it or listen to it and get all the information to make their own decisions instead of it being presented as Here's this guy that was that had there were, there was wrongdoings. Here's this guy that was just abused by the company and screwed over by the company because that's not what this was. This wasn't just the UFC saying F Tony Ferguson. There's some stuff that happened absolutely as I said, losing the interim title for no reason. Sucks. Stupid. Also happened to a few other people. They have the same case. Where's the vitriol for them? Nobody gave a fuck when it happened to Colby Covington because nobody likes Colby Covington. The same way nobody wants to argue that Colby Covington is a hell of a fighter because nobody likes Colby Covington. But when it happens to Tony Ferguson, who a ton of people like, it's a big deal. But if it's a big deal with Tony, it's got to be a big deal with everybody. And if winning that many fights in a row should get you that opportunity, then it's got to hold true for everybody. 
and not just the people you like, not just the people that generate clicks, not just the people that give you the sound bites and give you the opportunity to step up on your soapbox and say, F the UFC for doing this to this guy. Because they didn't just do it to this guy. Shit happened that led to this situation. They didn't just constantly keep pulling it out from under him and moving the goalposts like they're doing to Leon Edwards. Like that's the really wild fucking part of this, right? Is if if you want to argue the UFC has screwed over Tony Ferguson or did screw over Tony Ferguson during his 12-fight winning streak, where the hell is the support for Leon Edwards? Because I remember everybody being really okay with Leon Edwards on an eight-fight winning streak getting thrown in there with Hamzat Chemaev. Everybody was down for seeing Leon have to go through this dude that's running through people but also hasn't beaten a top 15 fighter. Because, we, you know, Leon's kind of boring and he doesn't say a lot and he doesn't finish fights and, you know, more or less F him. Well, to me, that's bullshit. To me, that's that doesn't work. That doesn't wash. I ain't in on that. Because... The consistency isn't there because you're not, you're not, I hate the fucking term, the saying, keeping that same energy, but it's true. You're not keeping that same energy for Leon getting his opportunity as you now want to have in retrospect for Tony that he never got his. So if you're going to come out and say these things and you're going to come out and stump for Ferguson and say that this is a travesty that it never happened, present the whole fucking story. Present everything and let other people make up their minds. Tell the timeline. Give people the rundown of what else was happening while Tony Ferguson was stacking 12 wins and what those championship fights were that he didn't get. Because if you look at them, they all make sense. There's, there's not any really that lay in there where you're like, there's no way that dude should have fought for a title before Tony. It was Rafael Dos Anjos. When he's 8-1 over his last 9. It was Donald Cerrone when he's on an 8-fight winning streak. One more than Tony Ferguson at the time. And he's Donald fucking Cerrone. It's Eddie Alvarez. When Tony is pulled out of a, a fight a couple months earlier with a lung issue. It's Conor McGregor. When he gets done with the Nathan Diaz two-piece. It's then Khabib and Ally Aquinta because Tony gets hurt and can't fight. It's Connor because he comes back and has the rivalry with Khabib. It's Dustin Poirier after that because Khabib and the timeline of it just lays out and lines up and Tony gets pulled into a fight with Anthony Pettis that maybe he should have said no to. That maybe he should have waited and said, no, I'm just holding out. I want I want that fight with Khabib. I'm just holding out. And he didn't. And, and you know, he's... He's talked a little bit about that, about doing things for the company. But if he's going to do things for the company, then that's not just the company screwing him. That's not just them looking to get one over on Tony and just kept stonewalling him and moving the goalposts. There's so much more to it than that. And if we don't tell the whole story and we don't present all the information, then we're doing a disservice to fans. We're doing a disservice to other media members that want to tell the whole story. We're not conveying all the information that we know. And to me, full context is important. It's not just about 
the clip that sounds great or that had or makes a headline. And I know it's not sexy. I know it's not the thing that everybody wants to do is spend that extra 200 words in the story just laying out that here's what happened over those couple of years. But I think you got to do it because otherwise you're kind of just arguing the points that, that validate your case and back up your position and pretending like everything else didn't happen. But they did. And it wasn't just that the UFC decided to fuck over Tony Ferguson. Shit happened. He got hurt a couple times. Some fights went sideways. Some bigger names got opportunities, which happens all the time, not just to Tony Ferguson. 